This episode of the podcast was recorded over a Zoom call uh, at a time when physical distancing is important to us. Uh, so you will find that depending on the quality of the internet connection, uh, it can get choppy at times. Uh, but for the most part, you will be able to hear the conversation clearly. Hello, everyone. It's another episode of the Hello Mental podcast. Uh, we have Melvin Chi here with us today. Uh, Melvin's the founder and CEO of RPG Commerce. RPG was established in 2017 in Melbourne, Australia, uh, with a clear mission, uh, which is to build the largest number of direct-to-consumer or DTC uh, e-commerce brands under its portfolio. Uh, RPG Commerce have created brands like UB, EUBI, um, who I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Thousand Miles, Bottoms Lab, Comfort Republic, Montego, Pocket Angel, and so much more. Um, and with that, let's start the conversation. Hi, hi Melvin. Hey Derek. Hey, hi, hi. Thanks, thanks for making the time for this call. No, it's an honor to be here. <laughs> Yeah, no, nice. like uh, I was just telling you before we started recording that, you know, uh, you obviously like um, a really, uh, I suppose like you're very young from my perspective like, and <laughs> for such a young person, I think you've achieved quite quite a bit. So it's really impressive actually. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's still early stage of, of our growth at the moment. <laughs> oh, but you know, like I, I love for you to sort of like hear that story like, uh, as, as sort of like we kind of progress. So... Uh, how's the whole MCO or CMCO thing for you so far? Definitely, I think I think as a business to us, uh, we're e-commerce right in that sense. So I think last year was quite interesting for us because at the beginning of lockdown, it was sort of shut down our entire supply chain, right? Because all our products are made in China um, and pretty much shipped across the whole world. And it was the whole Q1 was literally like zero, right? We couldn't, we weren't able to ship anything. And then the entire stimulus check in the US kick in and the entire boom comes after April, right? So I think right. last year was a pretty interesting year for us. Uh, a lot of growth for sure. Yeah. Right. So you you sort of felt the uh, you, you sort of felt the pain even before the lockdown in Malaysia, right? Because you, you're actually working like with international companies. That's right. That's right. So because uh, China was shut, because it was Chinese New Year before that, right? Mm. And then it were, a lot of guys were stuck in their hometown. And then uh, post Chinese New Year was the lockdown before March. And then the factories were not operating. So we had no goods to sell basically um, mm. for, for that short period. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually remember um, sometime in February, January, February, right? So I was like... Um, looking at the news and seeing what's happening in China. And I think a lot of people in Malaysia didn't really understand at that time, like what this meant, yeah. because it's still hard to, no one can imagine like a global lockdown, right? So exactly. yeah, yeah. So I look at it as like something, I feel like something really, really bad is going to happen soon. So even internally, <laughs> yeah, even internally in the company I was telling about, I think we better, we better sort of like, if you're any sales, you just start kind of wrap it up because the next few months is going to be really rough, even though no one can, no one knows yet, but mm. sort of like, I wouldn't use the word predict, la, but it's sort of like try to anticipate it. So so you felt it in January already. Uh, for those who are listening who are not quite familiar with what RPG is doing, like maybe it's sort of like in your own words, could you sort of like describe it? Sure, sure. Um, RPG is a multi-B2C brand builder. So we built direct to, to consumer e-commerce brands. Um, 
as a whole. And of course, we own the entire end chain, right? From product design mm. to marketing to branding, all the way to the end of consumers end, right? So we are uh, think about think of us like a multi-brand operator. We own and operate every single brand on our portfolio. Today we have nine brands on our portfolio. Some of the brands that we have here in Malaysia are like Thousand Mouse, Autumn's Lab, Pocket Angel, Comfort Republic, Montego, a few brands that we have here. So we own all these brands, and uh, but majority of our markets are actually outside of Malaysia. Um, US is our main markets, US, UK, Europe, Australia. Uh, we are a Singaporean entity, but we're not, we are operating here in Malaysia, funded by Singaporean VC. Um, raised our Series A quite recently as well, um, end of last year. Um, so a lot of growth, I guess. A lot of a lot of things has happened, and in a nutshell, we built e-commerce brands. Yeah. Right, right. And and you said just now you own the brand. Is that right? That's right. We are the brand creator and also the owner. You, you sort of like built like build this uh, e-commerce, right? You're not you're not doing it for like an external e-commerce company, right? You're you're basically your own e-commerce company. That's right. That's right. So we uh, we do not have clients. Our clients are like our customers in a sense. So we sell directly to our customers. That's right. Wow. That's 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 really interesting. So like how um like maybe tell us a bit of a story about how this whole thing started because I think sure. um like we went like you know when we were talking just before we started recording. I mean you graduated I think what six seven years ago ish yeah, yeah, 2015 not too long ago right so <laughs> so and, and now you're doing this and it's growing so like what's the story like behind this sure sure i think i think there's a quite long story behind it right so so i live abroad in melbourne for about six seven years um and so a year in san francisco before coming back home to malaysia and um, i came back in about 2019 so about just about two years ago moving back home mm. so long uh it's a really long story so I went to Melbourne in 2011, and um, and uh, coincidentally, my cousin, who is Whitehall, uh, founder of Store Hut today, um, has a has a company called Oz Hut at that period of time. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, take me in. I want to be an intern as a digital marketing intern and whatnot. And he took me in, and that's how I picked up digital marketing back then in, in 2011, 2012. And uh, from there on, I learned a bunch of digital marketing things. You know, back then, my Facebook wasn't even exist, hasn't even existed yet. I was in Google Ads at a period of time, and um, I did a lot of online courses to sort of learn about digital marketing. I was just really intrigued and really passionate about digital marketing, right? Because I grew up, I grew up in a small town in Stiawan, Perak. This really small, tiny town, sleepy town. No, no I, I grew up with barely like internet access throughout my whole life, right? It was just three weeks all along. My parents were really strict with internet, and when I went to Melbourne. I was like, wow, people actually transact online. I've never thought about e-commerce. I've never thought about online selling, right? And I doubled into a lot of uh, digital marketing things in between of my uni days. Uh, fast forward to like, I think 2014, 2015, my, my second year in uni, uh, I picked up this really interesting skills uh, that was uh, building Instagram accounts. I'm not sure if you remember back then when Instagram was really new. Uh, the algorithms were really different back then where we were building uh, accounts and uh, in different different kind of niches. It can mm. be in sports, it can be in meme, it can be in different kind of like categories, right? And, right. and eventually, we were growing accounts with about hundreds and thousands of followers across uh, in a very short period of time, right? And I had the, you know, just a random moment say, hey, why don't I try to sell uh, products to this audience or these consumers? And that's how my dropshipping journey started. So between 2014 and 16, I was doing, um, oh, sorry, 2014 and 17, I was doing uh, dropshipping. 
So we were just purely dropshipping random fat products or hype products uh, from AliExpress throughout the entire world and um, always been a global focus sort of uh, markets rather than just being in Malaysia or whatnot. And, uh, and then only in 2018, I decided to come back to Malaysia to open our KL office and say, hey, you know, if we could, we had our office in Melbourne at the time, time but hey, if we, could, if we could leverage that three to one Aussie dollar to ringgit uh, and getting that four to one US dollar to ringgit, why not do that, right? And we started, mm. we started our first office in, uh, in common, common ground. It's a co-working space. Uh, three of us, just three guys. I hired three guys. And then um, and decided to build dropshipping business. So, and then it was a, another different story, right? We ran into compliance issue. So back in 2017, uh, Facebook rolled out this thing called uh, a customer fit, uh, feedback survey form to all consumers mm. that buy from Facebook ads, right? And because we were, we were spending millions uh, on quarterly on US dollars on, on Facebook alone uh, every single quarter, right? And we were picked up as one of the one of the quickest spending advertisers on Facebook, but also with the lowest ratings on, on oh. Facebook. So, oh, wow. okay. so uh, at, at that period of time, I remember um, I was called up to Facebook um, uh, and we were we were hit with compliance issue and say, hey Melvin, we have to restrict you from advertising, right? Because um, your business model, as uh, your business model was a bit flawed. In in, in a sense, dropshipping, you don't control any of the supply chain of product, right? You sell directly to the consumer. You only care about acquisition. You care nothing about post purchase, right? So there was a big issue. It's a massive issue in the forest, right? And um, at that point of time, I was thinking that you know, I just came back to Malaysia to try to build this team, and yeah. now Facebook hit me with this. Does it mean it's the end of the game, or should I just go back to Melbourne and get a job and live there again? Right. <laughs> so I think I think I think it was a it was a really rollercoaster right now when I just came back and uh, right. and I was like, okay, you know what? We're just gonna bite a bullet and, and and go for it and change our business model. Only in 2018, right. we started launching like our our D to C brand, basically first brand UB. And then fast forward today, we have nine brands. Team has grown over the years. We are almost about almost hundred people. So it's uptown. We're based wow. in uptown PJ. Um, raised our Series A recently as well. So a lot of growth. A lot of things has happened in the last couple of years. And of course, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a very interesting journey for sure. That, that's amazing. So I have so many questions based on your story. <laughs> sure, sure. The sure. first the first question I have is like for those for those listening who are not familiar, what is drop shipping? Definitely. So dropshipping, technically, you do not own um, the back end of the supply chain. So as a dropshipper, you own, you look for any random products to sell as long as there's a, there's a demand in the market, right? So you can be selling really random things from makeup brush to mermaid blankets to every single thing that you can find on on, mm. on internet, right? And mm. just resell it at a higher uh, uh, pricing. So it's basically like an arbitrage model, right? Where you buy low, sell high in, in mm. the other part of the world. So we buy in China, we sell it into the US dollar with creative, with performance, with digital marketing. So that's essentially dropshipping in, uh, in a nutshell. Right, right. You don't own any of the products. Yeah. Right, right. So so basically, so you have this um, company that produces this particular product. They're not, they're that's not right. really marketing it, let's say, to this uh, target that you're marketing to. So you sort of like, Okay, I'll do that, and I make right. the money from this difference, right? From the the price that you want to sell to me, and from the my customer wants to buy from me, exactly. right? Exactly. And then you straight away you deliver to the customer, so you are just right. the in between person. Just the in between person is a pure arbitrage game. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That is um uh that, that's very interesting that you know from that uh you sort of like grew the company to what it is now. So the the other question I had was um. 
I never knew like uh, Facebook paid so much attention to their advertisers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would think from what you read in the news that you know they just take any money they can get, right? But but they uh, but it sounds like what well, they had this whole compliance thing and they started like uh, you know. Um, so so from my understanding of what you said just now, the way you sort of got around it was you started. Is it you started owning the product? Is that what you're saying? You started like right. becoming the actual right. And that you could, yeah. and you call that D to C, like, is it direct? You That's right. It? So all the products that we have today are proprietary to us. So any of the products that we have today on, on all our brands um, are, are all designed in-house. So we have a team of fashion and industrial product designers to actually design every single product made uh, from us, right? For example, like thousand mile shorts, bottoms that, uh, t-shirts, so on and so forth. They're all proprietary designed according to the way we want it. So in a way, we own the end-to-end experience, right? So that we don't just outsource the entire part to, to or just take it from uh, available markets and just sell it. In the sense, we do not have control over our products that we sell. So to make sure that our quality assurance, our, our quality of products are maintained for all our customers. And that's basically like the, the biggest difference between the, the drops. Right, right. Right. So so now you also like post-sale also, you have to handle that, right? That's right. That's right. Right, that's right, right, right. right. Yes, yes. Wow. That, that's so interesting. And, and in terms of the kind of products that you sell, is it... Um, uh, is it like mostly fashion or like, yeah, like what is it that you cover? We are, we are category agnostic. Um, even though I think out of nine right now, four brands are in apparels, fashion background. Um, but we have water bottles, we have jewelries, we have homeware, kitchenware, different, different categories, right? So pretty much we are quite agnostic in the, in the, in the product category on, on top. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and how do you decide which product you will want to take on? Like, are you like, do you sort of like go shopping and see, Hey, I love this. Let's sell this. Like, is that how it works? Sure. Sure. I think these days, uh, yes, got a lot more complex back then. It was much easier. These days right. we have a merchandising team to actually do all the merch in terms of uh, doing research, customer survey, feedback, sort of thing from our existing pool of customers. We have a pool of, um, uh, what we call like internal community between these brands where we ask them, you know, what kind of products should we release? What kind of new categories or whatnot? But at the same time, we scrape a lot of data off Amazon as well because we're in the developed markets, right? So we scrape a lot of data from Amazon to tell us what's the kind of trend that is moving at the moment and what kind of product category do we want to get into and whatnot. So those are like the way that we, we sort of uh, figure out what kind of products or what kind of niche that we want to get into next. Wow. Wow. That's, that's quite, that's super interesting. So you, oh, right. So you just look at, I suppose, what products are selling well on Amazon to give you an indication, right? That's right. Target. Right. And, and do you still sell to the U.S. market? Yes. Uh, well, 50% of revenue today is coming from the U.S. Um, U.S. is biggest for us, uh, followed by UK, Europe is our second tier, and then Australia, Canada, and pretty much the rest of the world. Malaysia, I would say, is like less than 10% of our total base, but we're operating out of Malaysia. Right, 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 right. Oh wow! Okay, I'm, this is so. This is such an interesting story to me, <laughs> even personally. <laughs> I, I think it's a genius model. So, so um, in a sense that, so you you obviously shop for products in, I suppose maybe like it was it like in China. Is that what you mentioned? Like one of the That's places right. I imagine, right? So the the cost of production is low, and and I suppose if you're you're producing something in China, you may not know how to take this product to a larger market. So that's mm. the value you're adding, like, right, to this whole that's thing, right. Right, 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 right. So you sort of like repackage it in a way that you know, like the American, like see people in America would say, "Hey, I, I love this," and you make it easy for them to buy, right? Uh, yes, in a nutshell, yes. Right. So right, we, right. all our products are coming from. Um, so we have 
China as our, as our backbone, a main production. And then we have five warehouses right now across the world, US, Australia, Malaysia, Hong Kong, and UK. And different warehouses serve different, uh, serve different regions of uh, different part of the world. So it's all dispersed from China to the rest of the world in that sense to mm. see all our customers. Yeah. Mm. Oh, was there a particular reason why you decided to come back from Melbourne? Because it sounds like it started when you were in Melbourne, right? That's right. So the main reason we came back was because I, I was thinking, can we build a team here? Because when we were building it in Melbourne, it was the same model, right? We were also selling to the US as the, as the as the main market, right? And we were thinking, can we do the same from Malaysian team building it versus Australian team building it selling to the US? And truth be told, there was no major challenges. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of challenges, but there was no major differences between. Uh, Melbourne team versus KL team, right? And we're like, hey, why don't we just move the entire HQ back to to Malaysia? And that's how it mm. came about. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. And what's the um and in the the years you've sort of like been on this journey, what's the biggest lesson you've learned so far? Oh, I think I think there's a lot of lessons that we've learned so far. Right? I think I think probably it's 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 the naiveness to not give up, right? For us, we we could have given up. We could have given out when Facebook kit us with compliance because dropshipping at a point of time it was really cash making it was really money making right and uh, we could have just you know hey you know let's take a big uh, back seat and just chill for a bit while this thing is over or whatnot but I think it was just that super oh quite like borderline stupidness and naiveness as well to say no you know what let's continue hammering on it let's go for it let's go for it and never giving up and that's the kind of like um, spirit that we hold in 2017 2018 right that without those days, I don't think we have today, right? So I think that was like the biggest sort of thing up to today. Still, we, we face tons of challenges every single day, tons of firefighting every day. But it's just that naiveness to say, hey, let's give you another shot. Let's give you another shot. And that brought us here today. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of like that because it, it sort of reminds me of how like uh, what was started also last time. So people, sometimes a uh, question someone asked me, oh, you know, how, you know, because I was in a corporate job before, right? like, how do you gather the courage to leave a corporate job and like, start a company? And I thought about it for a long time. And then I thought, I don't think it's courage. I think it's ignorance mostly. Like, you know, <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and the chances of failing is so high. I just thought, like, yes. oh, I'll just do it. I'll figure it out, you know. Um, right. And I think in some sense, I would say, yeah, you know, we got lucky as well. Um, and also, it's also hard work, like a lot of things combined together, you know, and you just keep going, going, and you sort of find that way. Uh, exactly. Right. So, so would you say sometimes, even if something looks like it's a huge challenge, like you won't actually know until you, you sort of try and do it, like, Right. Definitely. I think I think just get your head in, right? Uh, the period where I started company, I was doing my I was finishing out my internship in, in San Francisco. And at a point of time, really I think honestly, the best time to start when you it's when you have nothing. Because you have nothing to lose, literally. Like how much more you can you can lose, right? At a point of time I remember very clearly, I had three thousand dollars in my bank account. That's it. Three thousand dollars, that's it. Right. <laughs> And I was like, if I can lose, I'll just lose 3000 That's it, right? And, and, and I can make it back. Probably I'm going to full-time work. I can make that back quite shortly. And I was like, oh, and the upside was just so big, more, so much bigger, right? The 3K versus unlimited upside. Of course, you pick for unlimited upside. <laughs> so I think that was like the, 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 the sort of uh, the naiveness. Like, it was just really nice to say, that, hey, you know, I, I 
to do it, I can compare it. But, uh, <laughs> but on the hindsight, I think, thankfully, I, I did that, or else I don't think we have today as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, one of the, I, I sort of suddenly reminded of this, uh, um, when I, so I used to live in the UK for a while, and um, when I was there, I think uh-huh. I sort of flirted with dropshipping as well. So I had actually friends who, who were from China, right? They lived in China. So they went yep. down on holiday and I said, hey, I want to test this. So uh, I, think, I, I think a lot of people are interested to learn Chinese now. So can you yep. bring back some of, some of this, like, uh, you know, learn Chinese stuff from China and I'm going to try selling here in the UK. And I remember that uh, we tried doing that and we and there was a pretty healthy margin. Uh, like I do like 50% or yep. 60% and people still buy. It's like, and someone we bought from retail, you know, direct from retail to test. And then I'm like, Oh wow! This is like actually can make money just by selling someone's product. But I think the the difference was at the time uh, maybe you know I was actually around your age then, so I think the difference okay. was I, I maybe didn't take it seriously. You know, I was one of those people that you drink beer, you chat, yeah, let's change the world, <laughs> and then tomorrow morning you don't. Uh, <laughs> but 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 it's interesting that you did it, right? You went on and you took it seriously, and you built a real big, good, really good business uh, from it. And um, now that you've also renewed for a while, what, what do you think it's, it's hard about? Because I know it sounds easy. Like, like when I, when I sort of explain it like a nutshell, like a lot of people might think about, oh yeah, I should do it too. But, but what is actually hard about doing business like this that you think a lot of people misunderstand to be easy? Definitely, definitely. I think, I think the hardness or this, uh, the kind of uh, difficulties are at different, different stages, according to different stages of business. When we were really small size, I think we were, it was really hard by how do we continuously gain momentum? How do we continuously grow sales? And today, I think the hardness has gone into how do we manage people better? So I think different kind of like challenges are different at uh, different stages and different kind of challenges. And I think as an industry, as a D2C industry, it might look like really simple, just like what you mentioned, right? Really just repackaging it, reselling it across the entire world. That's it, right? That's That's it. But, but that's that's the outer layer of things, right? But there are a lot of things behind the scene in the way how, how many experiments we have to run to ensure that the creative will work. How many things that we have to reiterate to make sure that the product fits the kind of feeling that we're selling. Because let's say if we're selling to Americans, we need to make sure that our feelings are like American size as opposed to Asian sizes. Those are like the needy, greedy things that we have to deal with, right? And what about Texas issues in VAT taxes in Europe regions, um, the, the Trump administration in uh, Texas previously we were dealing with between China and US. There's a bunch of other things that are happening behind the background, right? And that's just like on the on, on one part of it. So I think as a whole, it's, it's, it's definitely not easy, right? But at the same time, I think on the hand side, it's, if it's so easy, everyone else is doing it, right? Oh, that's so true. That's, that, that's, that's what we have always been holding on to and say, you know, it's fine. It, it, and we know it's tough, but it's fine because I know it because because end of the day, if we're going to get through it, then that's something on the other side for us. Uh, and it's a reason we want thing end of the day. So I think that's, that's something that, uh, that it's hard about the industry, but at the same time, um, it's also a lot of resources available for you to learn. YouTube these days are free. I can say that I learned everything in my early journey from YouTube. I never want to pay for any courses. It's always YouTube. My uni days were all YouTube. Everything was YouTube. And uh, I think I think that's the beauty of like you know internet world, right? Where everything is so borderless and so transparent in a sense to learn. So I think that's uh, on a high side. That that's a good thing about this part of the industry. Yeah. Mm, mm, I, I I agree. Actually, most I I always tell people that honestly, 
knowledge is not the the issue for most people as in like there's a lot of knowledge online like if you really if you're motivated enough to, to want to know how to do something you can find the yeah. answer online very often without paying anything so yeah. it's, it's mostly just uh, whether how much you want it or not right uh exactly. right so, so so knowledge is not the barrier anymore these days i mean i, I always tell people like things like oh if you want to if you want to lose weight or you want to learn a language whatever it is like you can right you you roughly know what you need to do really and exactly. you can find the resources right so it's just whether you want to do it or not uh yeah, yeah. so so um uh okay okay and and uh and what and what sort of like the other way what advice um do you commonly hear people give about say building a business um that you think people should just ignore Sure, I think I think you know a lot of times people actually just like what I mentioned earlier. It's not easy at all. It's not hard. Mm. Uh, it's not it's not easy. It's super tough, super hard. Mm. Um, and everyone can tell you the same thing, right? Mm. But I think uh, it's also an advice to really reality check. But at the same time, mm. it's also very important to also know the capabilities of your inner self, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah, you, everyone can tell you that don't do it, don't start it. Just you know, get be get a better job, have a safer career or whatnot. But I think it's it's the greed and the sort of perseverance internally, right? That you know that no matter by hook or by crook, you're gonna manage it and you're gonna do it. And it's just a matter of time, right? Think about it. It can take you maybe two years, maybe one year, maybe three years. But the end result is you're gonna make it anyway. It's just about time. So I think that's that's kind of like a perception that a lot of people say, hey, it's too hard to do it, kind of thing. And if you dwell too long on thinking whether do you want to do it or not, you might as well just do it and, and get an outcome, whether it fail or it, it succeed, right? And I think that's the kind of like the biggest stigma that that I mean, me personally as a person that I've always been holding on to. Why why dwell so long to think about a decision, right? Just do it. If by the time you finish thinking, you probably have an outcome ready, right? So I think that's the kind of uh, perception that I will take like, as, as an entrepreneur, as an individual. Yeah. Right, right, right. So so basically, the, the, when you hear the advice from people, hey, it's tough, it's hard work, etc. Don't, don't, I mean, if the advice is true. I mean, you need to sort of like uh, do like a reality, reality check based on that. But the advice shouldn't be taken as like, you don't do it, right? It's that's sort right. of like, you understand that it's hard, but you should do it anyway. Because, because and I think a very, yeah, yeah, I think a very big thing was so back then when I just started this, they were like, hey, you're too young for it, right? Go and get some experience and do it, which is true, which is right. I agree, I agree to that, right? But I think uh, on the hindsight, luckily I started young so that, so that even five years throughout the journey, I'm still considered. I don't think I'm that young anymore. Like, I mean, my mid, I'm 27 this year, but I feel like, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still like, a lot of years has gone past, right? So I think on the high side, you start young. A lot of people tell you, don't do it so young. Boy, I have some experience. True, in certain extent, but also on the high side, you started young, so you get to be a lot more, you have a lot more head start than a lot of the others. So I think that was, yeah. uh, that was the advice, yeah. I, I always think there's um there's a lot of uh, how do I put it um, pros and cons like you like so so uh, sure. so if you someone that let's say starts later sure you know maybe they have a bit more corporate experience maybe some people would say they learn that professionalism but they also come with yep. bad habits like you that they, they have to yep. a lot of like mindset stuff they have to relearn and rethink you know and I mean as, as an example yep. I came from corporate so when I first started. Yep. Um, yeah, I can walk into a room and talk to a big corporate company like Shell or PwC and I know how to talk to yeah. them. It's fine. I've been trained to do it. But 
but the the mind of an entrepreneur is very different from the mind of a corporate person also. You know? So I had to sort of reverse, you know, you sort of like you put down your ego a bit and sort of thing. Actually, a lot of things that I knew is not useful, not relevant. The the entrepreneur thinks very differently, you know. Whereas if you started young, like your your mind, you're clean, uh, clean slave, right? And you're learning how to. There's no baggage, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. So you can so I mean, and maybe you're not so experienced talking to like a PwC or whatever, but if you're, especially if you're in a business where you don't really require that kind of experience, then it doesn't really matter anyway, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. so no. interesting. Also, I, I just, agree. yeah, and also uh, earlier when I asked the earlier question about like what's hard, you know, about this and you mentioned about people management. I, I also um, I also sort of think that um, in the beginning, uh, every business is like you, like you are the hands-on person. So you have to be like the expert. Yeah. And, and every business that is scaling that is growing you know you will reach a point where i mean you are not the one doing the work anymore right like you have a team doing the work so yeah. eventually every business is a people management business like at some point like if you're growing right because like the ceo the it founder is. is not actually doing the work uh yeah. right you need to create more views you know exactly. you need to create more melvins right so <laughs> <laughs> i agree so, I, think, I think the mentality has shifted from uh uh, in a super early stage, you are like the soldier, right? You are going to the battleground, fighting all the time. And then as you eventually grow a little bit, you become a policeman. You have like a small town, you're like the, you know, you have a people, your community to manage. And then when you go a lot bigger, much bigger, then you become the generals, right? Where you have your soldiers, you have your policemen, and you have a team of generals that you're working with, right? So I think it's a very different environment, a different uh, sort of a learning, learning curve to actually get through, right? To, to get into that mentality. And we were forced to like go through that uh, for a very short period of time, right? So I think, hence, I mentioned, you know, people management has been like super challenging for us, right? Because we're growing so fast, we have new hires, Every quarter, we're hiring about 25 to 30 on average, right? So I think that that has been a super, super interesting journey and a lot of learnings in, in, in that in the last 12 months, at least. So, yeah. Right, right. And, and on that note, uh, like how do you, 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 how do you sort of manage this sort of hyper growth mode? Because I'm sure there are people in the office right now that you don't really know, you know, and, and <laughs> like, I, right? you, you probably don't even know what their name is because it's so fast, right? So many new people coming in. Like how do you manage that? You like as the as the leader. Like. Definitely. No, I, I don't think I still know every person, talk to every person. So this is the mandate of our PGF today, right? I need to make sure that I'm there to be in the process at the last stage. Even I'm directly or not directly involved. So even at the stage of an intern, right? Even our HR is conducting the interviews. I'm actually watching from the background. So it could be a recording, it could be anything to make sure that because I, I still have a very strong hold that. We need to make sure that every person comes through the door has to be on the same frequency as RPG TNE. And that's why I look for in every single person, right? And during the first day of their onboarding, I will be there to onboard them instead of, you know, the, the, the HR. And I'm still doing that today because I just did that yesterday, right? Because we had a couple of new hires and I did that onboarding on, on a, whenever there's new guys coming in and to make sure that they understand the culture, the DNA from the person that actually made that up, right? So I need to make sure that that has to be very strong hold. And every person that had your first month check-in, I'm doing it. Of course, they have their virtually do it, but I'll do like a 15 minutes quick coffee check-in and say, hey, how are things for you and all. And on their final, before probation, before they before they confirm, they will also have a chat to make sure that, you know, we see things like why. So I do a lot of checkpoints like that to make sure that I do not want to lose touch with people, right? And I hope that I will continue doing that when we continue going past 100 people. 
now. Uh, and I will still hold on to every single thing. I want to know, I want to make sure that I know what kind of sports that you like to play, what kind of things that you're really good at. And I know that's a bit far-fetched to do it, but at the same time, I feel the develop, and, and because we are on the same frequency, the same age, the same sort of background, right? I think that, that makes things a lot easier. And our, our company average age is 25, 26. So I'm pretty much at the group of our age. Right? So the guys that we, or at least I manage or I work with are pretty much the kind of guys that, that speak on the same topic. Right? So I think that's mm. very important to me when it comes to hiring and people management. Oh, that's interesting. Uh. So, so, um, so you do your own onboarding. Now, how long is your onboarding? Probably about so about an hour, an hour to an hour and a half. There's a whole morning about like who are we as a company. Of course, like what what's our culture? What do we do? Why do we do this? Because a lot of times we realize that why why I decided to redo this again, right? Previously, I think when we were about fifty people, I decided to hand this over to a more scalable method of like you know just letting someone run. But and then I do a little bit of you know um, diagnostic and realize that people actually don't understand a lot of times people don't understand why are we doing what we are doing, and I feel that uh, and the feedback was like you know maybe I should do it, I should redo it, and I had to retest that, right? And when, when I, I continued that back again, then I realized that everyone was a lot more in sync. On the first day, they hear that. On the first month checking, they hear that. On the third month before they finish their provision, they hear that as well. So there's a lot of assurance along the way. And the constant catch-up all the time, right, allows us to sort of have that connections being built. And at the end of the day, people want, it's, not, it's just not money, it's just not environment. Right? They want that impact they want that connections with, with others right so i think those are the really important things that, that i look for and of course i really value for as well so hence i think i want to make sure that that is well taken care of um mm. when it comes to rpg so, mm. so that's the kind of yeah that's that's so interesting to me and and um i mean i've, I've also interviewed like uh like people who became like a business owner at a young age so i um where they know like say uh, I Ching from Picto Chart, she started really young and you know she was also sharing the story of how learning how to be a good leader was really tough for her you know because she never actually been hired as a manager before just that you know yeah. now that she's doing a business she's the leader right so so um based on like how you're kind of uh managing it so you're about one to 100 now and it also sounds like the power distance isn't quite there. La. Like the gap is quite small because day one, they see you straight away and there are regular checkpoints and stuff, right? Yeah. So um, that sounds pretty healthy. Honestly, I don't, um, I, I don't do that enough. Uh, I don't onboard people, but I have like um, on the first day, la, there's like a 15 minute chat at the end of the day where I just do a one-on-one. -on -one. So sort of like nice. welcome them, ask them, hey, do you have any questions so far, you know, uh, yeah. to, to try to bridge that gap. Uh, but it's not easy. La. No, not <laughs> easy at all. <laughs> I found a way to automate this. Hopefully, hopefully my, my team is here, right? Because we are using Slack, I use a lot of automations and every, every, every team or every HOD or every the junior team guys, I have like a batch of like people in the list, right? So every, there's a, there's a, like a reminder and there's also an automated to send out, hey, how are things doing for you this week kind of thing. It's a very automated in that sense. So I don't, so it's not, it's two way, but then it initiated as an automation and they will come back to me and be a lot of response, right? <laughs> but at least like, I'm still constantly engaged on that, right? And, and that, that allows me to, you know, 
even not, I'm still genuine about checking. I'm very genuine about that. But maybe it yeah. removes my like forget forgetfulness from that. Right? Forget people to ask like, them, hey, right? Yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, hey, thanks for checking in. It really mean a lot to me, right? And I think those are the things that are like, I know I'm not going to take that for granted, right? Those are the things that are super valuable to us as a company today, right? And because leveraging on the automations that we have, then, you know, that, that makes life a lot easier for them, for us, for everyone, right? So, I mean, those are the little hacks that I do as a CEO to make sure I, that, uh, yeah, I, they are constantly I love in touch. That. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, you inspire me to check in on my team later, the randomly message people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll be surprised, right? Because I think we have a lot of senior hires and they say that my boss only talk to me when I have issue. So I said, that's, that shouldn't be the way, right? We should be constantly building relationship and talking. And, and it's a whole stigma in the industry that, oh, don't talk to a boss if you have nothing. Like, you know, if you have some, you have only problems, then boss will come and find you. No, I don't think, I don't think that's the kind of environment that we want to build. And hence, mm. we want to make sure that we have that constant catch up and constant talks all the time. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, um, and on uh, sort of like um, uh, starting this entrepreneur's uh, journey, uh, if someone was like a fresh graduate, right? And they came out and they said, I want to start a business today, you know, like what, you know, what advice would you give them? Do it, just do it, right? Don't, just like how I was, uh, I was doing it, right? I need $3,000 in the bank. I was like, if I could lose it, I could lose $3,000, i will be fine. I think I'll be fine at the point. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> That was the naiveness again, right? To to actually, you know, just 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 rather than dwelling on it, just act on it right away, right? And even if it fails, at least you don't walk away with hundred percent failure. You walk away at least with like eighty percent failure, twenty percent learnings, and I think that's going to propel you towards what you're going to do next, right? Then the next thing you're still going to fail, right? Because the rate of success is so low all the time, right? And it's going to be seventy percent failure, thirty percent. Uh, learnings and then eventually when you get to the stage of passing like more than 50% of success rate then great you hit you just need one time and bam it's gonna change the whole thing right and I think that was the journey that I went through that even after today I think or oh, whatever I'm going to be doing next is just gonna be like I admit and I know that it's gonna fail on the first attempt for sure and 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 you're just gonna keep grinding and keep going for it yeah mm, mm. and and um and back to sort of like the recruitment for, I suppose, your company, because it's obvious that you're growing quite a lot, right? So if if you're interviewing someone for a job, right, for RPG, because you, and, and it sounds like you, you're quite hands-on with this, right? So what are some of the sort of the main attributes or attitudes that you would look for, like, you know? And, and do you have any specific story about someone that's really impressed you like, and why? Definitely, sure. Uh, I think when it comes to interviewing people, and especially the younger guys, we, of course, there are definitely lack of experience, lack of skill sets, and we admit that, we know that in this part of the world, for example, like we want to hire digital marketers, we can't find someone with more than six to eight years experience here, because digital marketing, truth be told, only really existed in the last five years, right? Anyone that's here, eight to ten years, it's, it's bull crap, right? Mm. So I think, I think in this part of the world, right? So when it comes to that, I think, I don't think we look for skill sets or, or, or experience, it's always the hunger, we always look for guys that are super hungry because we know that if you, no matter no matter how, where we put that guy or, or that, that person is, that person will eventually figure it out. So in the early days, we, even up to today, I hire a lot of guys that are like, that are like us, the, the kind of charisma, the kind of 
um, spirit, the kind of drive. It's just all about, I want to make sure that I conquer it by hook or by crook, no matter how long it's going to take, right? And, and it, as an organization, we allow our guys to make mistakes. We always say, please make profitable mistakes. Profitable mistakes meaning go and make mistakes by actually learn from it, just like what the, the analogy I mentioned the other time, right? You can fail 100% the first time, but then the second time you'll fail 70%, 40%, 30%, and you get better over a period of time, right? And we look for guys that have such uh, signals, right? That it could be, you know, if it's super junior guys, we want to see them, you know, having a lot of grit in their educations. It could be them growing up in a really middle-class family, trying to do a lot of things in uni days, trying to do a lot of, you know, getting involved in every single thing and trying to figure out what they want in life, right? People that are just super curious about, about life and people that are so curious about opportunities out there. Those are kind of people that we want to embed into our organization because ultimately if we give that resources and give that drive to them, they will, we will enable them to achieve whatever that they are trying to achieve as an individual, right? I think that's something that we look for. And of course, a story that I think uh, I still remember up to this, we were right early stage of hiring. There was a, there was a really junior digital um, uh, designer that we were trying to hire. But uh, after the interview, I felt that, you know, she was very quiet. She couldn't talk much. She couldn't, there was no, there was no attributes that show us that she will be a right away hire. It might be like a KRV sort of thing, right? And then I think after the interview, she was like, hey, um, I know she, she admitted in the email. I still have the email finished. She was like, I know I, I probably didn't do a good job in the interview, but let me, let me you know, do something about it. So over the weekend, she, uh, she, uh, she decided to put up a whole, like a post-mortem of our website, say, hey, you should improve this, you should improve that, and then give us the key things and design a whole landing page. She, she wants to be a UI UX designer ultimately one day. So she designed everything without much knowledge, right? And just pure research. I can tell that it was like a pure research from like, YouTube or wherever it is, right? And that really impressed me, right? I think people like oh, that, wow. that go extra steps that if you get rejected once, you'll be like, hey, it's okay you reject me now, but I'm going to show it to you because I, I, I was once like that, right? So I think people like that, that that um, that has really, really deep memory, right? And we have multiple cases of that, uh, even up to today, right? Guys that really want to be part of it, but we're like, I don't think, you know, now is the right time, but then they will prove us wrong otherwise. And, and truth be told, the, the, the person came in and, and it's a really, really good designer today, right? And I think, uh, end of the day, if we are willing to give chance to people, and of course, people has to prove it that they deserve a second opportunity to, to actually have that right. We should, as a company, to, to provide that for people, right? and and then they will be able to shine. So I think that's something that that is like really after today, I'll tell my HR, even though they don't speak well or whatever, it's fine. Let's see what they can do after, right? And even if if they try to do something beyond, they're willing to go beyond uh, the others, right? We should always give opportunity to that person that is willing to do it. So I think that's something that we hold on to dearly as a company, even after today, when it comes to hiring. Yeah, I love that story, man. So it's like, so, so, um, and, and it also sounds like, you know, perhaps someone doesn't necessarily interview well, but, you know, you don't know how good their work is, right, very often. And, and in this case, uh, she clearly demonstrated, like, I really want this. I, I do my self-research, you know, and, and, I, and I, I take the extra step that you didn't ask for, right, and I, and I gave it to you. You know, right. so right, most people wouldn't even bother. I right? just, ah, whatever, lah, see what happens, yeah. you know. All right. Exactly. <laughs> I think that shows a lot, right? that speaks a lot of volume, right? Because you know that this person will continuously to fail, but it's okay, right? But that person mm. will continuously bounce back and say, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it. And it's just a matter of time. It's just a building a business ultimately where you fail so many times, you're like, it's okay, another shot, another shot, another shot. Same with this person, right? I, I did badly in the interview. It's okay, I'm going to do things beyond another time, another time, another time. And one day she's just going to hit it, right? And when she hit it, that's the, the whole opening to her new career, right? So I think that's mm. the kind of people. 
uh, as a company because we are also very that kind of person. So hence we hire like that kind of people as well. <laughs> And and I, I love that phrase, a profitable failure. Is that what you said? A profitable, profitable failure, mistake. Yeah. A profitable right. mistake, right? A profitable yeah. mistake, right? Actually it's it's a very nice simple phrase to which basically means you have to learn from it. Like you learn and yeah. get better, right? And so and therefore the mistake is not wasted. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Right? Oh a profitable mistake. I love that. I'm gonna start using that soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and um and for those of you who are, uh, for the, the people who are already in RPG, right? So, you know, wh when you're, you're deciding whether someone's ready to be promoted or progress in their career, now what, what factors do you consider, you know, making that decision? Well, I think before that, we always say, say first day on onboarding before we hire anyone, we always say that no matter you are day one, day 10, day 100 or day 1000 in the company, someone been here for three years, someone been here for months versus three months or whatnot, you are all say you have the same equal opportunities so it can be like an intern that has really good idea then the art director we will execute the intern's idea if it has better than that right so i think that creates a very sort of flat place for people to know that i don't need to because in order to remove all these noises of like politics you know people pleasing and whatnot it's always because you want to have a better opportunity so you're trying to please someone so someone give you a better opportunity and whatnot right and as an organization when we build out that on day one we always think that you know hey let's remove all that by putting it a flat that no matter i don't care you're day one day thousand day hundred you're all the same so i think that allows healthy competitions to happen and conducive environment for people right? that when it comes to promoting people it's not about because you have five years experience because you are da, da, da. no not really it's about you're willing to show that of course experience and, and results or outcome is important to us but at the same time you need to be able to prove that you can lead the team you can become a manager you can communicate well you can run a meeting it's a lot of not just hard skills but a lot of soft skills as well at the same time right to show that you are just not a uh, lone uh, manager or whatnot. Because ultimately, as you continue growing, there's going to be 5, 10, 20 guys uh, within your department, right? You need to be able to know that you have to grow beyond just your skill sets. You have to grow at communication level, at leadership level, at every single level. And of course, for us as a company, a lot of young managers in the company, we have to make sure that we give the kind of resources and trainings to become a manager because we know that a lot of times when you want to become a manager but then if you do not have the resources to become a manager you might not be a very good manager so i think that's something that we look for when it comes to promoting people uh, not just skill sets it's beyond that uh, when it comes to promotions mm. Mm -hmm. oh cool and um so uh for the rest of 2021 what's uh what's the future look like for rpg do you have any upcoming plans Sure, uh, very exciting times for sure for us. Um, um, we are we have nine brands today. We are trying to get to twenty by the end of this year. Um, hopefully, hundred within the next five years. That's that's our mandate. Um, we might come out to race soon um, uh, in terms of our Series B round because of how hot the industry is, especially to see part of the world. And of course, I think when it comes to opportunities or, or headcounts here in Malaysia, we might double the headcount this year in Malaysia at the rate that we're going for. So I think a lot of uh, a lot of exciting plans for sure. But I'll. Hopefully, you know, the reality checks out as what we projected, but Cubito is never the case, right? So, so hence, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just getting our head in and making sure that what doubling down on what we know, continue experimenting things that we, have, we do not know or we have never done before, and, and that will continue to bring us from strength to strength. Right. Sounds really exciting. Uh, so, uh, I'm just going to, uh, so we're going to uh, wrap up with like a quick fire round. 
so I've got a list of questions here. It starts easy and then it gets a little bit harder, but not very hard, lah. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure, so, sure. Uh, first question is. What are some interesting places in Malaysia that people should visit or like a cool hangout spot? You should visit Stiawan, my hometown. There's a lot of so seafood, a lot of, yeah, a lot of good food. Red wine, miso, kompia, a lot of good food that you should visit. A lot of people underestimated that place. Yeah. <laughs> so Tiawan, okay, got it. Uh, what app do you use on your phone every day, which you believe is not commonly used? Medium, I use a lot of medium. I read a you lot of medium every morning. Yeah, every morning I'm on medium. That's always like they know what you are you want to read every day, and it's like the five articles that you need a day. Really, I'll usually read that in the toilet or like whatever it is, right? And that's like something I use a lot. Yeah, that's so interesting. And is that like the place where you learn medium? Yes, yes, technically, I learn a lot by you know reading articles, like you know straight to the fact rather than books, right? Books, of course, I do read that, but as well, articles is very punchy, very quick, and it is a very good sort of form of learning in a very short period of time for me. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I know Medium. I, I don't really spend a lot of time on it. I will yeah. definitely check it out <laughs> soon. Uh, uh, what object uh, have you purchased in the last 12 months cost less than a thousand ringgit, but you believe has tremendous impact on your life? Oh, may, maybe gym membership, right? Gym membership. But, yeah, a gym but membership? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely more than a thousand uh, in 12 months, but I mean, monthly, I think I paid like 250 gym memberships and I think that has changed my, my sort of day to day routine right? I used to be like you know wake up at like 7.30 lay down on the bed wait until like eat something then shower and get to work nowadays I will go at like 7.30 classes finish at 8 come to the office so it feels a lot a lot more energized a lot more healthier when it comes to such a such a routine right? so I think oh. that could be one of oh, the best wow. memberships yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so you do morning classes uh? I do morning classes I'm a morning person right yeah. right, right wow okay um is there a non-fiction book you've read that you believe everyone should read? I believe every entrepreneur should read this book called The Hard Things About The Hard Things by Ben Horowitz, right? Uh, it, it purely describes the life of an entrepreneur, right? It's just so tough, so hard. And you, you've got to admit and you've got to be willing to accept and be aware that you are getting into something that's really hard so that you are constantly being happy and constantly, you know, being fulfilled of what you're doing or else. It's just super depressing at this, right? Being an entrepreneur. And I think, yeah, I think that, that book, every entrepreneur should read. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have that book on my shelf. I think I've skimmed through it before. Uh, yes. I mean, I've heard, I've heard Ben Horowitz on Clubhouse, I think. I think that's yes. where I, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, he's really active there. Um, oh, it's interesting. Okay. Uh, what's a skill uh, that you have that other people might find surprising, but useful to you in your career? Um, I think in general, I'm a very hacky person, very resourceful. Um, a little bit of background, I've, my entire uni life, I have only completed one assignment on my own. So I usually, I'll usually outsource a lot of things back then. I'll make sure that if, let's say it's a really lengthy project, I'll get someone to do the, the top, the middle, and the bottom, and I'll combine yeah. them together. Same with business up with today, right? If you need something to be done, we will hire like, you're someone that's really good at something, can match and put it all together. So I think I, I think that having the hacky and the resourcefulness has sort of took me really far in the journey. And a lot of things maybe I'm not the best at, but I could come up with a really sort of positive results because it was just the skill sets to assemble uh, 
the right people, the right resources in the right place. And I think that, that has sort of really put us to where we are today as a company as well. <laughs> right. And it sounds like you, you, you obviously think out of the box, right? Because a lot of, if you think in a straight line, you think that, you know, yeah. you're faced with a challenge, you have to overcome the challenge. But when you're faced with a challenge, you think, who can overcome this challenge for me? <laughs> and outsource that. <laughs> and outsource that. Yeah, so it's brilliant. Uh, what scene from a movie or TV show is super memorable and impactful to you and why? In general, I do not watch a lot of TV shows or movie. I'm just a super boring, boring person, documentary kind of person. But I think maybe the, the, the most, like, most recent uh, documentary I watched was uh, uh, F1 right now and the Drive to Survive on, on Netflix. I love that. And I'm a big fan of F1. So watching that was like pure, you know, it's a, so many things happening behind the scene and, you know, it's all about greed, it's all about perseverance, it's all about competitiveness, right, in, in the game. And same just like in business and in life as well, right? So I think that that is quite, at least that's something that like the most recent thing that I remember. In general, I'm just a super boring person. I always tell people, I sleep through like Fast and Furious. I'll sleep in the... In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Uh, what's what, uh, interestingly, um, uh, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed uh, also are like you. They don't watch a lot of TV. So so maybe, yeah, so maybe that is something to note for a lot of people who are listening. Like, it's okay to watch TV. I don't think it's anything wrong, but like, yeah, maybe don't watch too much. <laughs> Use your time on other things. Uh, what's the best piece of career advice you've received from a mentor or someone you respect? Question. Um, I think I, I received a lot of uh, advice over the period from a lot of mentors as well, investors as well. But I think ultimately, um, you know, being being vulnerable is really important. Um, and 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 I try to I try to be as vulnerable as transparent as possible in the company as well, right? That end of the day, we are just human, right? I mean, my staff are also human, my team are also human, my investors are also human. So I think being open and being transparent and just being vulnerable to the situation uh, and allow us to to have that to gain that kind of trust, right? And I think. I learned that from a mentor, right? And, and same to how I lead the team today, right? At times, I would just tell my HOD, I say, I do not have an answer for you. I really do not know how to solve this, but we will figure it out. So just having the openness to say that I do not know, but I'm willing to do it with you, that creates a lot of trust, that creates a lot of relationship, rather than just saying, oh, oh I, I, I don't, later I'll tell you thing, right? A lot of leaders try to avoid and try to protect their ego or whatnot, right? But I think for me, I think I learned was trying really letting your ego down and just be as honest as possible. And usually the outcome will be good if you try to be as open and as transparent when it comes to approaching the problems. That was a that was a wise thing I received. Mm-hmm. And I think it also reflects on the, the the modern style of leadership, right? Where you don't see yeah. your 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 leader as some sort of like God level person, but like a human yeah. being, right? Like you exactly. We're all the same. We're all the same anyway. We're all the same. And that sort of forms that relationship and connection, right? And and I think it inspires people so like it, to know that their leader is like on the ground with them. Uh, what uh, or who is your role model? Uh, and not someone from your family. And what behaviors did they have that you see in yourself? And what do you wish you had? Definitely, I think. Uh... I, I, I got a lot of business inspirations when, when I when I started reading and of course when I started watching Shark Tank. This was back in 2012, Shark Tank in the US. And, and I remember very clearly, uh, Mark Cuban was someone that I really, really uh, you know, admire and really, like up to today still, I feel like I, I like his charisma. And I think that we're pretty much, I have that kind of charisma similar to that as well. And I really like that energy coming from him. 
the kind of things that he see, the kind of things that he say. And I think on, on, on a high side, I think that's something that uh, someone that I really admire that is not in my family or not, but also the behavior that he's a lot investing in the future, talking about the future, talking about the future, something that people might think that you're crazy, but at the same time, it, it comes to reality. So I think that's something that, um, that, that I really see a lot in that. And what I wish that I've had probably more, more, being more ballsy, being more gutsy to do a lot of more things. I feel like the, the more, ex, uh, the more, the more experience or the older you get, right, the, the, the your risk tolerance are a bit different when you're a bit younger. When you're younger, you're just so naive, right? You're like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it kind of thing. But when you are like a bit, when you have the team, you have the resources, you're like, hmm, should we dwell on it a little bit longer kind of thing? And I wish that, um, and I'm and I'm working on it, right? I wish that we, we could have, gotten to a lot of decisions a lot quicker, a lot more efficient, a lot more resourceful. I think that's something that I really wish that we could continue improving as, as a person and as a company. Yeah. Cool. Uh, second last question. If you could make a video go viral mm -hmm. and this video carry the message that's important to you, what message would that be? Everyone is equal. Right? I think I think when it comes to thinking about, uh, thinking about you know, Yes, there are some people that we really, really admire. There are some people that are really smart or whatnot. But I always, I think I remember this when I was 18 years old. I always tell, so I used to, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, attend, uh, I grew up in church and I grew up in self groups. And I used to tell my uh, self group leader, I say, hey, you know, that person also has, you know, the same pair of eyes, the same pair of uh, ears, the nose, everything's all the same. We have all of that. I have, I, have a, I have a set of brains as well, right? We should be able to, to, to function the same way, but some, of course it's not true, right? But I, think, but I think a lot of times people underestimate themselves thinking that I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable enough, or whatever it is, right? But I think truth be told, we are all human. We all have our own limitations and our own challenges in that, right? I think, I think a message that I really want to get at, if there's a chance to get a radio viral, is that we should give ourselves a chance or at least an opportunity to try something and don't shut yourself down, don't look, look, look yourself down or whatnot. And I think that that will create the harness and kind of greatness in you one day that you probably don't even think that you have. And, and I think that's something that um, every person should, should sort of try out or at least uh, should have the guts to, to do it. Long. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100% agree. Uh, last question, what does the word success mean to you? Sure, I say, I say this every time in our town hall as well. I think success is never about uh, the size of the company, the size of the revenue, the size of the people. Of course, those are the byproduct of success, right? But I think success is always that. I will feel that we have built something meaningful if our customers are happy, our people are growing. So, so I get really happy when people, when our guys get married, buy a house, buy a car, by, you know, all these kind of things are like, at least because RPG has become a dent in their life, or even they move on their career, right? We have guys recently, we have a, we have a departure where this guy's been you know, for, for a long period of time, and then was he hunted to another agency, and of course, whatnot. Those are, I think, yes, on hindsight, I should be like, oh, you know, we trained you, you were zero with us, you became something while you, while you left and all. But I think on the hindsight, we think that, hey, think about it, right? without RPG being part of their career, they probably wouldn't have gotten to where they are today, or maybe yes, but I think at least we, we were there to make a dent in their life, right? And of course, I can't expect everyone in RPG stay forever in RPG, right? And for sure, there are different chapters of people that are going through, and I think um, seeing someone moving to a, to a new height, uh, to a new height or whatnot, I think that really creates a lot of meaning in what we are doing today, not just, of course, not just the business or the revenue or whatnot, right? But having seen people succeed, 
at least within within the ecosystem and in the company as well, creates a lot more meaningful um, things in, in the journey, right? Seeing someone coming from customer support becomes a brand director today. Um, three years ago, it's just a pure customer support. Today, leading a whole team of 15 uh, brand managers and whatnot, right? So I think those are the really, really, I would say those are like true meaning of success, if you were to ask me. It might sound really old to say that, but like, I, I somehow feel that, you know, uh, that's like the, 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 the true, you screw everything else and say, what is the meaning of success in the day, right? Because we know that the chase is never ending for us. Revenue will just never say, hey, it's enough. It's always continuing going for more. But I know they, these are the things that I would say that, you know, it's a success to us. And um, finding happiness in, in doing that, it's very fulfilling in the day. Yeah, like it's like um, it's pretty mind blowing to think that you know a couple of years ago, like you you started with very little, and now you have this company, and people are joining your company and then growing in that company, like because of something that you did many years ago, like it's having sort of this impact right on people's yeah. lives, and people are getting better because of it. I do find that a bit mind blowing myself sometimes. Uh, that oh wow, like I I you know sort of like someone has a career now because they're working here, you know, and yeah. they got better, right? So, yeah. right? And so I think you should be proud of it. You should be so proud of it, right? And it's creating opportunities for people, uh, opening doors to people that might not be opened up by others or whatnot. And I always tell the same story, right? That if I've never gone to Melbourne, I'm not sure if I will have today because when I was there, no, everyone gave me opportunity. No one said, no, like you were too young, you can't do it. No one said that to me ever. So hence, I felt that if I could say, do the same thing, right? we have guys that are like totally from different industries moving into this industry. Uh, if the other tech, nine other guys said no, but because one said yes, and it changed the whole trajectory of the career, right? I think that's super meaningful as a, as a company and as a, as a place for, for our guys to grow as well. Yeah, yeah awesome. Uh, thank you so much for the chat, Melvin. I love the conversation. And uh, to see you sort of like thinking about you know, this whole leadership thing in a sort of a very modern and progressive way is is also really, you know, really good for someone that, you know, obviously you've not had a lot of actual leadership experience uh, because you've never really been hired, right? You just started a company <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know and, and you're sort of learning on the go, you know, uh, reading medium sounds like. <laughs> it is. Read, yeah. read a ton of mediums, additional kinds of things. <laughs> right, learning from YouTube, reading medium, like there's a lot of like really good information online. I hope that inspires people who are listening to sort of like, you know, if you if you, you set your, your mind to achieving a goal, there are many ways to find the knowledge to do it. Uh, it's just how much you want to push yourself to do it only, right? Whether you want to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and most things are not, um, of course, there's some complexity to drop shipping and stuff like that. But most things you can really learn one if you really, as in most people would have enough IQ to figure it out, right? If you really wanted to. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's good. And I, I'm, um, I'm happy to hear that you guys are doing well. I hope that you, you know, you, you know, you set up to, if you do set up to raise another round, I hope it succeeds and you keep growing. Thank right? Appreciate it. Uh, awesome. So, um, one day, maybe I'll, I'll sort of like, uh, like perhaps like do this in person again or something. Yeah, we should. We should grab coffee. Yeah. We're a big fan of Walt, right? We use, we hire a lot of guys on Walt. 
we have, oh, yeah, I think we have like 15 job posts right now on Wolf and right. all the time we're constantly <laughs> hiring. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So if so, those listing you're obviously like a, a user on Wolf itself. So yeah, RPG has like jobs listed there. You can just go yes. check it out and you can apply directly. Uh, cool. Thanks, eh? Melvin. Awesome. So uh, we'll we'll awesome. speak again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're trying to have a great career or if you want to succeed in business, um, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully, you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, We have many, many more amazing people joining us soon and we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So again, do hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by WAP the leading professional youth jobs platform in Malaysia. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, do also check us out at wobjobs.com. That's W-O-B-B jobs.com. Thank you again. And I look forward to share the next episode with you soon.